0: Welcome, and this is a 315 podcast. This is a ministry of Jackson First Baptist Church where we come together uh, to provide truth or answers for the issues of today. Uh, as we continue on with our podcast each and every week, we're uh, coming together, uh, both myself, uh, Chris, and uh, Pastor Keith uh, to bring with you our perspective of those issues and, and what the Bible has to say about that. Now, last week, we had the opportunity, um, based off of questions that you guys have sent in, and you can continue to send in questions or um, prayer requests or any anything like that uh, to our uh, email at 315 at Jackson FBC or underneath uh, whatever podcast uh, platform you're on in the description. It gives you ways to connect with us, and we'd love for you to do that uh, so that we can hear from you. But uh, last week, I had the chance to share my story. And this week, uh, we're going to come together and we're going to listen to uh, Keith, uh, an opportunity to hear about you and what God's done in your life. Now, when we come together to listen about stories, this isn't to bring glory to ourselves. This isn't to shine a light of how good we are, but a testimony is giving a our perspective on what God has done in our life and share the power of an almighty God. And so we come rejoicing, not for any self-glorification, but rejoicing in the power of God. So, Pastor, let's get started uh, with you. You uh, grew up in uh, Kentucky, and so uh, growing up in such a uh, secluded area in, in, in America, why don't you give us a little bit of perspective of, of what that was like? Yeah,
1: I grew up uh, before the war between the states. Uh,
0: actually, some people say we're old as dirt. Uh,
1: it's a joy to be able just to share share with you. Uh, one of the reasons, guys, that we are doing these podcasts, not only so you can hear about our story, but to, to challenge you to, when your story. Uh, when David in the Psalms writes about how that he failed God, he asked the Lord to restore to him a right spirit so that he could teach sinners God's ways. Our testimonies are geared so that you would see our life before Christ, what happens when Christ comes in, and our life after. And and out of that question, I I was born in Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Folks would say in that era, nineteen sixty-seven, it was the hills of Kentucky. Uh, It was during the time which that the mining industry, coal mining, uh, was extremely popular. And so uh, I I was born uh, uh, into a family. My mom was a Christian. Uh, who'd gotten saved at a camp uh, when she was just, just a young teenager. She'd gone to a camp and almost drowned. Mm. And when that 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 traumatic experience, uh, she was at a Christian camp. They shared the gospel with her that night, and she came to know Christ. And so out of that, my mom was a Christian. My dad was not. Uh, my mom was much older than my dad. And so they, they married, and dad didn't go to church, and mom did. And my dad was a coal miner uh, since the time that he was 14 years old. Uh, my dad had a sixth-grade education, but had a strong work ethic. And so, so I, w- I was born in there in a coal-mining town. My dad would come home every day at 4 o'clock, and I could just see him. He, he'd be black all over his face and all over his body. And that's what I grew up in was in a coal-mining environment.
0: Yeah, and so I've heard you speak of this um, quite a few times, but uh, one of the things that you always seem to talk highly of um, with your dad and how he instilled in you was a, a, a hard work ethic. Um, how did that shape you in your early childhood? And, and maybe even now, um, what he began to ingrain during that time?
1: Well, literally dad shaped me cause he beat me into shape. Mm. Uh, because in, in my generation, uh, there, there was the corporal punishment that was there. And, and I think the scripture teaches that as, as well, but please don't send me a blog post about that, yeah. uh, with that. But, so I grew up, my dad was a hard worker uh, because his dad was a hard worker. My dad's one of 16, so he has 15 brothers and sisters. And so they had to work to survive. Uh, grew up on a farm. My grandfather uh, worked outside the farm. Uh, he worked for a sawmill, had very little education, so my dad knew nothing but work. And so when, when I came along... I was the oops baby. I don't know if you know what an oops baby is. It's like they didn't intend to have any more kids. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> uh, because I have I have a brother who's twelve years older, Danny. Mm-hmm. My sister is six years old, Linda, and then I then there was me, and so, uh, Dad was there teaching us to work. We had a garden in our on our country farm, and so we always were working, always doing things. And living near my grandparents, uh, mm-hmm. who ta- who they worked all the time too, and so. Mm-hmm. You' were just always busy, but you didn't consider it work uh i didn't I didn't know it was bad until i got got more out into society. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it was part of part of life but but I want you to know this in the in the midst of that, because Christ was in my mom's heart there there was always trouble between mom and dad uh there It was good on Friday night because we were at home, but when Saturday came, my dad just began to get kind of angry, and I came to know later when I had a life change experience. That's because he was rejecting God. And so on Sunday morning, I, my, one of my few memories of childhood is that in the springtime, I was five, Dad was sitting on the front porch, and and he had a fishing pole. What five-year-old doesn't want to go fishing? Yeah. And Mom had us ready for Sunday school, my sister and I. My, dad was, my brother was already out of the home. And Dad says, go fishing with me today. And Mom says, go to Sunday school. Now, which would you choose? But my mom put her foot down it, and I'm so thankful. She's, she. My dad's name is Bradley. She said, he will not go there with you. You're the head of this house, but when it comes to this, God says this has to come first. And so there there was always that, but I'm so thankful for the work. That I'm still affected today is I push hard because my dad instilled me that any anything that's put in your path, you have to earn, and you earn it only because God gives it to you.
0: Yeah, And thank God for a strong willed mother Absolutely. in that in that moment as well um that that wanted to give in because so often um and, and we've experienced this as we've deal and work alongside teenagers that have um unequally yoked parents where one is saved and one's not that sometimes there's compromises made just for the you know avoidance of of confrontation and and just how important it is that. Uh, the parent who is of faith, that they they stay strong in that. We, we highly encourage um, them in that. Now, from a perspective of a child, though, um, seeing then, um, not necessarily knowing what you know now, but seeing then, um, how did that impact how you viewed the church or even how you viewed uh, God?
1: I, I think my story is, is unique, not individual as far as anybody in the world mm-hmm. ever been. But as far as a lot of kids growing up, because my mother had such a strong faith that when I was in the womb, mom tells that she prayed would put hands on her stomach and pray that God would save me and that God would keep me and that God would call me to preach, and which was a shock to me at that age, even at five, because she would, she would read to us when we were little and she'd pray over us and she would say, have you ever seen the movie The Help? You know, the the lady there, she said, you're good, you're pretty. Of course, Mm -hmm. Mom didn't say that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was that same, that constantly doing that. But what shaped me so much at that time in my view of the church was that my dad had a dark side of him and that dad grew up in a violent home. Uh, Surprisingly, it was not his dad. It was his mom. His mom, to the day she died, had a violent side about her. And so dad was beaten a lot of times. And so his way of discipline was, sadly, of a lot, a lot what some parents do now. They only discipline out of anger. And so my dad would let thing. You might go three months, and he'd tell you do something, and you wouldn't do it. And he'd let it go. But then there was that time that he'd taken all he wanted to take, and he would beat you till you couldn't walk. Hmm. And I'm not making that up, because people you know embellish stories and things. Uh, and my sister would give testimony to that. My sister one time stood up for me to keep me from beating me. Um, and he, had a, he pulled a wire that was by him, and he whipped her and brought the blood. Mm-hmm. And and I, I, that's impacted me. So for me, church, church was a place of complete peace. Uh, we were loved. They were always the same. Uh, mm-hmm. And please, folks, I love my dad. My dad, when he got saved, was never the same. And uh, my dad at 81 is my hero just because he's still serving the Lord. Um, but it was difficult. My kids know not that, thankfully. My wife even says, that can't be your dad. That's the power of the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and so so my favorite memories of childhood are being in church. Uh, country church is being in church and my favorite memories of life.
0: Okay, so how long um, being plugged in uh, to church with your mom um, before uh, you decided um, that, you know, this is something I want to commit my life mm-hmm. to? Well, What was the turning point for you?
1: Um, you know, I, I wrongly believed I was saved all the way along probably, you know, because I was memorizing Scripture when I was five years old. I can yeah. remember memorizing Psalm 23 at the age of five. Mm. My, my parents' books of the Bible. You know, I mean, I knew all the books of the Bible at five. And some people think, well, he's a great the guy. I did, that was just everything we did. My dad would always say, even as a nonbeliever, anything worth doing is worth doing right. And so I, I steal that of my kids now, um, and any kid will let me. But at the age of seven, we had a revival. Speaker came, and uh, Doctor Doctor Wash W A S H. They called him mm. Wash. It's Washington was his name, Washington Pennington. And my dad went. Mm. And the second night, my dad got saved. Amen. And uh, when he came home, he had the same body, but he was never the same. And that night, I realized I wasn't saved. And so it was just a few weeks later, in children's church, and I was seven years old, and I was I was battling with it. And our our children's church teacher that day uh, was sick, and so another another teacher was there, uh, first grade teacher. And when she presented the gospel, it was back in the day, you know, raise your hand if you you believe in the Lord mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. And it, and then stand up if you believe after that. And I can remember repenting of my sin. You say, well, what sin do you have at seven? So more rebels against God, even at that yeah. age. And it wasn't a radical conversion. Uh, I can remember when I did it, uh, the teacher asked me to say something to any people about my past. I d I didn't want anybody my mom was sick that day. One of the few times in her life she wasn't in church. Mm. And I wouldn't tell anybody until I told my mom. And so all the way home in the car, my sister was picking at me and my dad. Like, what's going on with my dad been saved six months then? And and what happened to church day? I I didn't even speak. And I walked in the house, and Mom looked at me. She was lying on the couch. She said, you got saved. Hmm. Uh, So I'll never forget um, that moment in time uh, in my life. So that's
0: how I came to Christ. Yeah, so that's... That's um, it, it's a joy to hear. Uh, well, a couple things. One, how God has gifted you uh, with your ability to recall. Um, anytime I get the chance, where you ask me what text I'm preaching at, out of I say whatever reference, and you're like, "Well, so it's about this, this, and this." He's continued to bless you in that, and that's a huge encouragement. It also encourages uh, parents who may be listening that it's never too early to start right. to start investing and pouring in to your child, the truths of who God is. Um, and, and so that when it clicks, it, it comes to life even more so for them. Uh, but the, the significant thing that you said there, uh, that was such, um, I don't know, a, a heart jumping moment, even listening was that your dad got saved and, uh, may have had the same appearance, but not the same man. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, when we when you talk about that, I know that brings you great joy because of how close you are with your dad uh now and 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 so when <clears throat> when he got saved um and, and wasn't the same, what changes happened around the home that oh that my. that that made a big difference in your life i
1: don't know if I can even tell you uh we went from can't say anything about church to now dad being the first one up getting everybody ready and saying to mom come on i mean it was just such a radical shift uh we went from never praying around the table to always praying around the table uh my dad had extreme bad snoring problem still does i'm sure (laughs) um so mom he and mom did not sleep together every night and so i had twin beds in my bedroom so he would often sleep in that room and the thing i remember is every night when i would they'd put me to bed early and pray with me read the scripture and i'd roll over when dad come to bed and he'd always be on the floor with his his face over over the bed praying every night and before long my dad became a deacon uh, wasn't perfect, Dad's, dad struggled with anger, still yet does at times. Uh, but those are the memories I have. Going to church just Sunday morning back then, then Sunday morning, Sunday night. I, I grew up on a church bus. Mm. You, you know, probably heard that part of the story. Because yeah. when dad became a deacon, he just assumed that everything in church is what he was supposed to do. We started a bus route, and my dad ran that bus route. We would leave an hour and a half before church, run the bus route, get there, and, and he even started calling him bus driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, on the CB handles back then, and again, an hour and a half after, Sunday morning and Sunday night. So my dad did that. It was just such a shock that you know people at work uh, were afraid of him. And yeah. so he, he was radically converted uh, in that. So our lives changed. And so I got saved six months after that and grew up in, you said sheltered, extremely sheltered. Yeah. Um, and it, you know the Vietnam War was going on in 1974, coming to the end. I was seven years old, I got saved. Only thing we knew about we'd watch TV at night sometimes, and we would see Dan Rather, who before yeah. your time, uh, and that was it. And so, but then, then the middle school came, which mm-hmm. was we didn't have middle school where I went. It was elementary and high school. Okay, or between the states. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but and so in those years, here's where where I, these I'm ashamed of these years in some ways. I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I went to church every week but I had no witness in school as far as outward. Hmm. They all knew I was a Christian, but I, I I began to battle fear. You wouldn't believe this, but I've battled fear all my life, uh, the fear of public speaking. I knew the day I was saved I was called to preach and fought it till I was 21. But I, I, the middle school years, for me, went by like a flash. I, I had good grades. I graduated in top 10% of my class course, you know if it's like the Waltons, you had ten. You, yeah, did. but that, there, there, there were nine hundred and some of the graduated from my senior class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that. I think that maybe that's right. I don't remember, or maybe there's nine hundred in school. I can't remember, but uh, I just remember those years. I was always in church. We were always there. Cleaned the church. I just did it all uh, in our lives. But they were not effective years for me on the fact I I was getting poured into. Yeah. But I wasn't pouring out in that time.
0: Yeah. So you were receiving a lot, but not necessarily being the yes. giver in mm-hmm. that time, which I think a, a lot of times, if, if, as you mentioned, um, fear is such a stronghold, uh, that, that, that's what cripples us a lot in that because, um, we'll read something it may come to life. And then, uh, we're like, okay, now i got to, it's almost like you, when you're new to it, you gotta, gotta hype yourself up to have that willingness to speak. Uh, I remember the first time I ever shared my faith, um, I, we had the Avenger cube, uh, mm-hmm. item oh, yes. and and we were going door to door and our youth pastor was like, all right, you know, just ask them if you can walk them through it. And I was like, okay, now i got to memorize this stuff. I have to figure out how to flip this, uh, cube just right. And I just remember in that moment going, I don't know if this is ever going to work God, but, but here we are. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> you know, so, so please help. And, and so I know the anxiety that comes with that, that, um, that, that overwhelming, at times, fear. I mean, that, there's even times now when I get up uh, on a Wednesday night and it's it's the time to come and, and preach that I have this, like, I have butterflies mm-hmm. or, or nervousness that comes on. Um, and, and it's just because I don't want to be wrong. I, I don't want to lead kids astray. I don't That's want right. to say the wrong and thing. Wow. And, and so I just always have that, that check, like, make sure – and and this is key for us all to understand that we're letting room for the holy spirit or we're giving the holy spirit the reign not necessarily allowing him room we want him to speak through it all you and know I,
1: I i knew in those years in my mind uh i don't know why i hit my heart when it should be in my mind that yeah. if i spoke out i'd have to preach mm. it was never just sharing your faith yeah and and again we were at church so much on sundays after church the four deacons and their wives, which my dad had kept, become a part of, they rotated their houses. So, I mean, I was never around uh, in my elementary age other than in class and we were so busy. But everything's so structured in that day yeah. in school. You you didn't have the free time that's now. There there was not the days off where you could get in trouble. Just, there was just no time for that. Yeah. But I was scared absolutely to, to say what I owned. And i, and I got to take a moment, and, and, and my brother, who's 12 years older than I am, my mom had been married before, and the man that she'd married was an alcoholic and had abused her. But when my brother was born in that marriage, uh, his dad died, froze to death one winter night. Mm. And so I was 16 before I knew that he was my half-brother. And he's not my half-brother. Yeah, Danny was more like not just an older brother, almost like a dad. So my, my brother, who wasn't saved then, but, but a good lost person still going to hell poured into me as well and so there was when i was with him there was never doing anything wrong uh, as far as but there was never anything saying preach the gospel
0: yeah
1: and so i i I learned a mechanic Uh, i i learned how to do fishing and doing so many things we were always outdoors and i was with my brother day before yesterday back in kentucky for a funeral i love him as i love my soul yeah so i mean i had a perfect storm environment to do nothing for God except for the push of my church and my mom and dad,
0: yeah yeah, and so with that perfect storm, um, there had to be a, a a hard line in the sand to get you to where you are now, right oh there was, yeah, and so you can only fight your calling for so long before god 's going to flesh it out of you, yeah. so what was your turning moment that to...
1: i when i grad, when I graduated high school um, I was so sheltered, I didn't go to the proms in high school mm-hmm. at all. I always wanted to date girls, but I was afraid to. I mean, I just cowered one-on-one. I could write the book any time when I was years years ago. And so when I graduated high school, you know, my dad took had taken me years earlier into the coal mine, and he had taken me a mile back. Now you imagine going a mile back inside of a mountain, mm-hmm. in the side of a mountain? And he, he sat me on the machine we were riding in, and it was only forty-eight inches from the ground to the floor, I mean to the bottom. So that's all you had—four feet, forty-eight inches. He turned off the light, the two lights we had on our helmets, and he said, "Listen," and I could hear the mountain cracking. I mean, I, I, and he said to me, "Is this what you want to do with your life?" And I was yeah. like, "Absolutely not." Yeah. So I came back, and and you know, I'm bad moms tell me every day. My I've got a new pastor, by the way. Got a, got a pastor from Oklahoma who wore cowboy boots in Eastern Kentucky. But he was sold out. Yeah. And he wouldn't quit. And he just kept talking to me about the Lord and he knew I was running from God. Everybody in the church thought I was a poster child, but I was running yeah. from God. And um because I didn't do the bad things, I knew what to do. I yeah. was saved, but not what so at eighteen I was I I mom's like, You gotta go to college, dad you gotta go to college. So instead of going where I should have gone, I went to the University of Kentucky Community College, went there for two years to get an associate degree in, in business. For what reason, I don't know. Running from God. And at that point, the wheels came off for me. Um, I started dating. There's things I would never tell anybody that went on in my life for about six to nine months. Wasn't that girl's fault. Wasn't anybody's fault. It was Keith Joseph's fault running from God. And so I kept running. My brother called me one day. He said, you don't need to go to school. You know, uh, let's go in business together. and And like what business my brother had saved and i'd say we'd worked hard we both had enough money he had most of it so we went into business together we, we built a service station went into business and i'm still running hard mm-hmm. and i t- start to kind of get some i'm going to church every sunday by the way yeah. every sunday night every wednesday night with my pastor with other people running from god and one night and, and we'd been in business for some time one night i was on the way, way back to the the place a business to to get the books to do the book work. Had a friend, we're going to play tennis. I rounded a curve, running hard from God, and a drunk driver hit us. Uh, Just come around the curve, missed three other cars and hit me on the back quarter panel on the driver's side, spun me around. It was probably a 25 to 50-foot embankment going straight down. And I was going over backward, and I can remember saying to God, I'm done running. Don't make this boy be punished for what I've done. And Chris assures, I'm I'm not telling some type of Mars Hill story here. People have heard me a thousand times tell the same story. I had a four-wheel drive pickup. Back in the day, the shifter in the four-wheel drive was in the floor, Mm -hmm. back before your time. I looked down, and the shifter shifted in the four-wheel drive on its own, which meant that now my front tires could pull back out. And I remember stomping it on the floor, the, the gas pedal, and it pulled me back out. We should have died. Never had a scratch. I got out of my vehicle and got down on the side of the vehicle and said, God, I'm tired of running. And so that was the, the turning moment. Some people say, well, did you get saved then? No, I, I was saved when I was seven because salvation's all of God. Yeah. But I surrendered to do everything He wanted to do as a saved man at that moment. My pastor was on the rescue t- team because we had a volunteer fire department. Guess who was the first person on the scene? My pastor. He didn't ask me how I was. He just came up and said, Are you are you are you tired of running? Hmm. And so within six months I, I gave my business away to my brother, my half of the business, uh, that he had worked so much hard for, deserved I didn't deserve any of it. Um I preached before I left for the first time and my brother was impacted by that. And I went to Liberty University. uh yeah. so that was a change moment for my life.
0: So when and, and a good, uh, because it's so powerful, uh, in, in knowing that, uh, that God, when he, um, as your, uh, favorite verse is um, mm-hmm. in, in scripture, Philippians, uh, one six, uh, that he, you began a good work and you will see it, uh, through to the end. Um, and, and knowing that you knew God had a special calling on your life. You knew that he had set you apart. Your mom prayed it. Um, and, and he answered her prayer and, and thank goodness for your mom, um, and and so when i think of that one of the biggest encouragement is is uh when i when i listened to that tail end of it when you said i was i knew i was saved i was i've been saved yep. but i finally gave all areas to god it wasn't sometimes when we newly get saved we give like compartments to mm-hmm. god but this was the moment where you said no more there's no more seats for me it's okay. it's all yours you have the whole arena god and and I just think that's so powerful and encouraging for us to listen, especially for those that may be in that similar position, that there's going to be a moment that, that hopefully for you it clicks as well, and it doesn't have to be as dramatic, but um, but just as intentional and serious that when God has something to set you to or call you to, um, he will see it through. And, Amen. and so I, I, my prayer is that we'd be willing in that as well. So you go to Liberty um, and – It's had a huge impact on you and your calling, Um, the education you got there, uh, the mentors uh, that you got there. Um, And and so if you want to highlight a little bit about that and then um, transition on, you know, how you were fleshing out your preaching um, and and not not just preaching, but your calling Mm -hmm. in in that preaching as well.
1: Well, Let me give for just a moment to give a, a warning to people in my place. Yeah. Of running, you don't realize the damage that you do to others hmm. uh, when you're running. Um, and I, I just think anybody that's listening should, should hear. I carry scars uh, that I can't even talk about. And for a long time, the devil dogged me with them. And I, I literally had to appoint, search the scripture and discover that from my, Micah 6, 8, says their sin is far away from the east from the west, never mm-hmm. to be remembered anymore. And so I, I settled that. But I want to encourage you folks, if you're running and you're saying, I'm not hurting anybody but me, that's that's a lie of the devil because yeah. you, you hurt so many people around you. Not, not only would my sister struggle with seeing that, and so my high school friends that I could have reached with the gospel that I didn't, and thankfully God redeemed a lot of that because many of them were such shocked when I preached. They'd travel. I had one guy travel four hours, and I, and I saw him. I'm like, man, what are you doing here? He said, I just don't believe it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I don't believe it. Uh, so that's that part. But, but really back to the story, I, w- I went to Liberty because it's where my pastor wanted me to go. He'd yeah. never been there, okay, but he had a friend that worked there, and he wanted me to go, and so uh, I, I still didn't have it all together. I just knew it's what I was supposed to do, and God would have to flesh out my sanctification and everything else during those years uh, of, of my life. But I met Sherry the first day. She was dating someone else. I was dating somebody else. And that would be two years down the road before God would put us together. But I prayed every day for it. But uh, at, at Liberty, I, I learned what it was to pray. I, I learned that God was real. Uh, I learned that all those verses that I was memorizing really meant something. Hmm. Um And then I had to take my first preaching class. That was an experience in life because uh, they would put you back in the day. uh, They called homiletics, and they still call it that. I teach that elsewhere in the world. But you would go in, and he would give you an assignment. You had 15 minutes to teach. And he would be voiceover talking through all your things. These were things he would say. Keith, I'll help you put your I-N-G on the end of your words. I still struggle with that, as you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm from the mountains. And and we have our own language in the mountains. You know, I call it Lazy 101. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) uh, he said, I'll help you do that. I'll help you to theologically grow. But I'm so thankful that Dr. Dr., um, Michael Crow, who is brothers of Woodrow Crow, who took back the Bible from Warren Worsby, he said this. He said, you have a gift from God. Hmm. and don't ever let me mess that up no one my pastor had told me i was called but no one had ever told me i had a gift from god because you know being from the hills of kentucky you just there was not much encouragement other than for your family and i remember going to him and saying what gift do i have because i mean i'm nobody and he says you have a special anointing that few men have under the anointing of the preaching of the Word of God. He said, because when you surrender, God will use you. And uh, they had preaching contest every year. I was so afraid I didn't do it. Um, but I remember going and hearing these guys, and my professor came to me and he said, you could beat every one of these guys. But God had put me in a position of humility hmm. that I didn't have them on my own. And so those years were great. I ended up getting to be on the staff at, at Thomas Road where Jerry Falwell was. You talk about a hero. Yeah. He was a man that stood up for moral majority, uh, preached the word of God unapologetically. They tried every way in the world to trip him up. and to, uh, He was investigated by everybody squeaky clean because he had one heart. And, and he, he would always say this, saturation evangelism. Hmm. He coined the phrase, reach every available person at every available time with the gospel. It was the beginning of of coming back around with Calvinism again, yeah. and I can remember him asking them asking him the question of what he believed. And I've always held to this. He said, "This I've just figured out. If you preach the gospel, people around you get elected." <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, so that's that's hey, just, amen. that's yeah. just the way that uh, I, I've lived. And so those years were wonderful. Uh, I would say to anybody, go to a Christian school.
0: Yeah.
1: It, it costs parents more. I put myself through 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 that. My parents paid for my vehicle and stuff like that. But but God helped me and Sherry helped me pay the last part of that off as Mm -hmm. well. We 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 did it by ourselves, and so uh, that was great. I learned how to preach. I didn't know how to pastor. I I did my undergrad there. I should have gone. I did my graduate later later, but I should have done it then. Yeah. Because when I went to my first church to start a church, I didn't know what I was doing. I was the preacher, but the deacons were the pastors.
0: Yeah, And you went through a period of time that I've heard you share where uh, you thought your gift of preaching was the gift of evangelism. Oh, yes. And, and you thought that that's where the Lord may be leading is to being a traveling evangelist. And I
1: did too. that for a while. Yeah. Um, there are two reasons I, I didn't stay as an evangelist. One was I could not endure leading somebody to Christ at a meeting and talking with them six months later and there'd been no follow-up. Hmm. that's how i knew i was called to be a pastor and secondly at that day you didn't get paid anything i mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean some people are like what i mean it's, yeah. my dad said son if you're going to do this you're going to starve to death because <clears throat> the churches that i was in you might get seven dollars you might and that wasn't the purpose because i was working uh but i just knew very early on i love i love evangelism and do revivals and love that now uh but i knew i was called to be a pastor
0: yeah. And so in your ministry now that God's called you to um, and the effectiveness that you've had and and all of that, um, I think one of the key things um, I think that's played a big role. And I, I don't know if I've ever said it out loud um, for you to hear, but uh, I'm incredibly thankful for your wife. Amen. And I'm incredibly thankful for um, that you learned the significance of being equally yoked in that moment to carry out each other's callings, and and she plays such a um, a pivotal um, role for you uh, to help you uh, stay grounded, but also she's a big encourager. Mm-hmm. She's an uplifter, um, amazing in all the things that she does in the church, in that as well. Um, she did not pay me to say this, but she would be know, embarrassed <laughs> if you did. She I did know it. she probably will be when she listens to this, but. Um, I know that when you are with the right person carrying out the calling in your life, God does this dramatic, you know, just breakthrough. And And so I'm thankful for her role in that. I'm thankful for um, what God's blessing you in, in that. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is that um, in his grooming of humility in you, uh, that didn't cease. It's still, you still conduct yourself in that way. And so um, I'm, I'm thankful for that sanctification that's still being processed out, uh, that um, whether anyone glorifies you or not, that doesn't matter, because you're sold out to God, and you want them to know know Him. And so we thank you uh, for uh, those who are listening. We thank uh, you, Pastor, for having the chance to share uh, God's story in your life. and And sometimes when we reflect, it brings different emotions, but... To me, listening to it brought celebration. Amen. It brings celebration of knowing God was at work. God had a call and a plan, and He saw it through. And so, hopefully, those who are listening were encouraged as well. Uh, and we ask that again, um, as we go through uh, simple things like this, sharing our story. This isn't for building us up. It's it's just show you how good God is. Because we want each one to know that they can have the same relationship with the Lord. Uh, yourself and have a story to share as well. Um, not to brag on yourself but to brag about the work of God in your life. And so if you would uh, we would love to hear your story. If you would want to take some time and, and write that out and share it with us again you can contact us through in the description of the podcast. There's a way to contact us. We just love to sit around read stories and celebrate with Amen. one another um, the, the work of God in your life or um, you know we encourage you as you write it down to share it with people as well. Uh, so that they would know the work of God. Uh, And then, again, thank you so much. And if this has been an encouragement to you, we ask that you would share it with someone else, that it may be an encouragement to them as well. Thank you again for listening, and uh, God bless.